sometimes these sacred spaces that are super ornate and decorated, there is no space for you. It's like you're in awe of this magical sacred thing, but you are this, you're, you're dwarfed by it, you know? And we wanted something that made you feel big and made you feel important. And so how could this planner be sacred and invite you to see that you're sacred and that your time and your life and your plans are special. When you really can fall into tune with the seasons of the Hebrew calendar, it's less jarring that it changes based on the Gregorian calendar because there's so much preparation for every holiday. You're never caught off guard by Rosh Hashanah um, because there's days and days of talking about it and getting ready for it and thinking about it and then you really feel 100% prepared when it comes. Welcome to Purple Honey, a gathering of female voices where we explore in conversation the sweet spot between Jewish wisdom and feminine spirituality. I am your host, Jody Bayless. Wow, what a time we are living through. I hope you are all staying safe and staying well. And I hope you're finding new rhythms in this new way of life. I'm finding for myself that the days and the sense of time are so different. Today, I have to say, my brain felt like a really good salty kugel most of the day, <laughs> kind of mushy. But I hope you're finding that the little things and, and the big things in life have maybe buoyed you up, like a walk outside or some movement or even some play or some cooking, meditation. There really seems to be this sense that time feels stretched, like taffy. While life feels constricted as we hunker down, I'm really finding that connecting deeply with others is where I'm finding some expansiveness. Like my family's had the opportunity to lead candle lighting for our Jewish community and just taking that moment placing our hands on our hearts, closing our eyes and feeling connection to others has been really, it's sort of, I don't know, aerated <laughs> things. It's, it's, it's brought a lightness. So I definitely found expansiveness, newness, laughter, and curiosity in connecting with my two guests today. I'm talking with Mo Golden and Amanda Herring from Gold Herring, a woman-owned small business that is by Coastal. Gold Herring creates interactive learning tools that connect us to our wisdom tradition in a way that is approachable, relevant, and inspiring. Gold Herring products are both deeply immersive and personal and are also learning tools for educators to make their life easier so their work can be more impactful. So today we're talking about the Jewish Planner, which is an amazingly unique and beautiful weekly planner that's based in the Hebrew calendar, and it includes monthly teachings, illustrations, and journal prompts. It's a truly beautiful product. I, I had the chance to hold it into my, in my hand, and now that it's available online, um, and I helped support it uh, on Kickstarter. I'm very excited to receive it in the mail in the near future. Mo and Amanda are both steeped 
in experiential education, and they have their own unique approach as individuals to meaningful, immersive education. So a bit about each of them. Amanda Herring is an experience curator and Jewish educator. She currently is the manager of Jewish life and learning at the Edlovich DC JCC. And in 2018, Amanda received her master's in experiential education and Jewish cultural arts at GW and completed the Jaffe Fellowship in Jewish outdoor food farming and environmental education with Hazon placed at one table in Washington, D.C. And it was there that she combined her passions for Shabbat and sustainable food, which together can nourish and heal communities and ecosystems. Mo Golden is an artist and educator with expertise in interdisciplinary curriculum, immersive learning, and interactive product design. She holds an MA in education and human development from the George Washington University, where she was a Jim Joseph Fellow, focusing on experiential education and Jewish cultural arts. Mo holds a certification in person-centered expressive arts therapy from PCETI in Buenos Aires, Argentina, with a concentration in using the arts in cross-cultural and coaching contexts. Mo has created curriculum and led trainings for Jewish organizations such as Hayas, Sixth and I Historic Synagogue, Avodah, Asylum Arts, and Mayim Haim. And Mo lives in Olympia, Washington. This was a really fun, rich conversation, and I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. Was there like a formative moment for you in this realm of this like experiential educator facilitation? And for you, like if you experienced it yourself or if you provided it for others? Mm. Yeah, um, this is Amanda. I think that um, we met in this experiential education graduate school program. And the thing that drew me towards that program was working at Hillel and um, staffing abroad trips and birthright trips and service learning trips with participants and really going through this intense, multiple-day, totally immersive experience where you're in a different culture and um, bonding as a group through the experience and coming home and being with the students on campus and seeing the difference it made in their lives long-term, even be contacted by students years later, you know, not knowing that they had had such an impactful experience, but seeing how it played out in their lives way later than um, I could have predicted. And I just wanted to dig into that and understand what made those experiences so life-changing, so sticky as we call it in the education <laughs> world and getting some of the terminology understanding studies in grad school around um, what we know works why it works why groups bond in the way they do why it's life-changing in the way it is and how do we use those tools to um, create meaningful and um, impactful experiences for people in Jewish education and in education in general. So um, that's what drew me towards it was staffing those abroad trips for college students. What I'm hearing you say is like is that it sort of planted this this travel 
communal experience, it almost like planted a seed that it and over time over over time sort of unfolded in people's lives as something that was formative. And, Absolutely. and so you used, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that the elements that made that experience so impactful and such a catalyst for change um, can be distilled and put into smaller, shorter term local experiences, um, not in such an impactful way, but sometimes it can be, even if the experience is a lot of times international experiences, you know, like you know very well that the food is something transformative and that when you come home and you taste that same food, it can bring you right back to the experience and that um, having those multi-sensory, really tactile experiences along with learning is what makes them so impactful and life-changing. And so um, that was kind of the, the kickoff point for me in in experiential education. I'm, I'm actually curious, Amanda, because you were also a Jaffe fellow, fellow, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Where, I mean, that, and, and that experience at Is- Isabella Friedman Center in Connecticut, mm-hmm. um, that also strike, strikes me as like that experience where you're combining connection to the land and, and food and um, with, in this case, with you know um, um, Judaism ritual, um, and then also just like that connection to the land. What um, I'm just curious, what emerged for you personally from that experience? Yeah, um, I mean, so I started the grad school program, and a big part of our program was our learning, um, our ex- learning experiences in the field. So my field work for the spring semester was actually the Jaffe Fellowship, which is Jewish outdoor food farming and environmental education. So I was part of a cohort of fellows. Um, We began our training at Isabella Friedman Jewish Retreat Center in Connecticut um, as a part of Hazon's cohort. And I was placed at kind of a non-conventional organization. So all of my other fellows in the cohort were at, you know, maybe Jewish farms or a JCC with a local learning farm, a Jewish summer camp with a farm. And I was in the middle of Washington, D.C., where there are not any large Jewish farms, um, working with a young adult organization called One Table and finding ways to take those Jaffe skills that I learned in the training and learning from my fellows in the cohort about what they were doing and make them applicable in a major city to young adults. Um, it was a really fun challenge. And I think I think what I saw is that they were applicable, that you didn't need to have an institutional farm to bring understanding of land and place and connection to the calendar and time to what you're putting on your plate and what you're eating and elevating Jewish ritual through that. And that when you do bring place and local food and connection to the calendar to your Shabbat dinner table or to any Jewish ritual, it only serves to enhance and make that memory more um, impactful long term. That if you have, 
if you go apple picking at Rosh Hashanah and you taste fresh apples and you're having them with local honey and you learn about the bees, then next year at Rosh Hashanah, that flavor is going to be stuck in your memory in a way that's very different than sitting in a classroom and learning about apples and honey for Rosh Hashanah. Mm-hmm. It's a living, it's a living experience. And Mo, I was so struck. Also, I just lo- like I went to your website and I just saw this fantastic picture of you like arranging rocks mm. in this. <laughs> I, I, it, it just like sucked me in. And then like there was another picture of like people sort of tied up with like intertwined with like these you know thin blue strings and like you just knew something. There, w- there was like some sort of like humanistic theme in in both of those act- activities that you were like manifesting. Hmm. Um, I don't know. Is I, that was just sort of how it it how it read to me? But cool. I was just curious too. Um, what like um, what? Um, I don't even know if I had a question there. Actually, <laughs> but well, I, I can just, answer I, your I, first it, question, it, it, which is related to that. Sure. <laughs> Okay, great. <laughs> um, yeah, so I um, lead expressive arts workshops. And so both of those photos are from workshops that I have done. Um, one of them was at the Evergreen State College in Olympia, and one of them was um, in Buenos Aires when I lived there. Um, and for me, you know, a similar journey in some ways to Amanda's, I studied abroad in high school and then I led abroad trips for high schoolers, mostly in Latin America, um, and was really introduced to experiential education through two parallel paths, one being the arts and one being um, international experiences. And what I found in both of those, and especially when I was able to combine those and do the arts in a multicultural context, is that um, when we are in a place that is unfamiliar to us, we have beginner's mind and it opens up our senses. Um, and we actually taste things and pay attention and notice where we are and are struck by the weather and what someone's saying to us. And, you know, we're actually present in a way that we often aren't in our routines. And so I have worked to create those magical experiences through the creative process for people and through the arts. Um, But what I've found over time and like through grad school and through um, working in different experiential ed contexts is that we have a lot of power over ourselves in cultivating that beginner's mind and we can actually open up our senses in any moment. Um, And so I'm really inspired to create yeah magical experiences that people can tap into in little ways wherever they are um, that transports them and invites them to be more fully alive and that started for me um, as you know a receiver of these curated spaces that of art and um, study abroad and then as someone who is facilitating that for others hmm Beautiful. I and there's just in both of your work, um, there's just so much accessibility, um, and also just sort of like emerging things that might be like I don't know nuanced or mysterious, but like like um, but but externalizing them, um, which really 
you know, it speaks to your project, the Jewish planner, but it also, it, it also speaks to there's that you guys are so with that beginner's mind attuned to all that Judaism has opened for us. But like, you know, it may have been sleeping. It may not be like, it may not be activated quite yet, or it might need like a 2.0. And that's really what I feel like both of you are are doing in your own spaces and also collectively. Um, and actually just sort of backtracking a, a bit, um, did you guys, when you first met in grad school, it was, sorry, was it grad school or undergrad? Yeah, it was grad school, grad school that we yeah. met. Mm-hmm grad school. Um, when you guys met at grad school, did you just like see each other across the room and lock eyes and like know your soulmates or like <laughs> how did it happen? Um, <laughs> a little business wrong. We were in a pretty <laughs> We were in a pretty small cohort. So our cohort luckily got pretty close and we all um you know, got to share with one another. And we were all placed in different field placements around the DC area. So most of our classes were really bringing back what was happening in our field placements and relating them to the texts that we had in class. Um, And I think Mo and I had really similar experiences previous to um, grad school in doing these international trips. And then we also had very different backgrounds in terms of the places that we'd worked and what we had been doing. And um, I was just really, I, we were kind of at the same experience level in terms of the work we'd done, but from di- very different backgrounds. And so I was really excited and intrigued by the work that Mo had done. And we got the chance to work together on some projects. And then, like I was saying, when I came back from the Joffe training, which was two weeks at Isabella Friedman, I was just overwhelmed with this Um, the teachers that we had had and this connection to land and food and sustainability that was kind of a side passion of mine before I realized that it was really informing my role as a Jewish educator in the world. Um, And I was just so inspired and said, like, I, I learned so much from these teachers about the calendar and the seasons and the connection to what we're celebrating. And I just wish that I, I had had that knowledge beforehand. And mm. I, I love planners. So that's kind of where <laughs> this came about was right in our spring semester. I was, I was saying to Mo, like, we did this workshop with the calendar and I had no idea there was so many layers on it. And, um, Mo just kind of lit up at what I was saying and said, well, here's, this is a problem that we could, we could answer. Is this really a problem in the world? Let's look at it. And Mo has run, um, you know, Kickstarter campaigns in the past. And she just kind of like, boom, 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 like jumped to all of these ideas and let's get creative and let's design something. And I was like, yeah, we could do that. Like just uh, the collective excitement. I think that's, it wasn't even fall semester. It was like spring when we really started thinking about this and what we could do after school together. Um, that that's kind of when the the chemistry sparked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've also like I've got to say I think that there's this kind of like um, misconception with how collaboration happens that like there has to be this intense like bestie chemistry and some of my best collaborations are people who like I'm not really 
um, super good friends with or close in this like emotional way. And I think like what makes a strong collaboration and what we felt from each other from the beginning is like, oh, we care about the same things for different reasons and like have these similar focal points, but are coming from completely different angles. And if it would, it would have been really easy to see those differences as a problem. And those differences are what makes it so you're not like, oh my God, this person's my best friend. We're the same person. But those are the things that actually make you a sustainable partnership because we want to do different things on a project and we care about them for different reasons. And we're drawing in different communities and coming to different conclusions about things mm -hmm. mm. yeah it's mm -hmm. really it's really lovely when we have you know a, a problem or a, a new project come up and I'll say well I'd really like to focus on this this and this and then Mo will say perfect I wanted to do the other thing <laughs> yeah like, a lot of times we really like, oh, have... thank god I don't want to do that at all you really <laughs> want to do that <laughs> <laughs> That's so great. I mean, I, in that, oh, it's just right. Like those complementary strengths. It's, I mean, actually like from that kind of hardcore, like that business model, it makes sense in that, you know, your work, um, there's, it's, it's dynamic. Your work is dynamic, um, and can attract multiple audiences, if you will. I mean, I know mm -hmm. it's not to sound dry, but like that's, that is kind of, there is that business advantage, mm -hmm. but then also, right. There's that it's a, it's a, um, dynamic product. And so the, the Jewish planner that you guys created, it sounds like it came from, as you said, like just this sort of curiosity and interests and passions that you both had, but like the, the planner is sort of like the landing place where both of your voices can, can sort of live. And I, um, it, and we'll, we'll go into the planner actually, I think it's perfect time to ask you about the actual Jewish planner, but, um, and I, I, I just, I'm sort of jump my mind jumped ahead because I know one of your hopes and feelings is for the planner to feel like a space of like inclusion. And I just, it's, it makes sense. It makes so much sense because you both, it's a well-rounded kind of, mm. um, it's a well-rounded um, piece of, I want to call it a piece of art because <laughs> it does so much. It's more than that. It just does so much time tracking, whatever it's, it's everything. But tell, tell me like, a, can you just walk us through the actual Jewish planner. I had a, I had the wonderful opportunity to be able to hold it in my hand. Um, what feels like years ago, I think. <laughs> I think it was like I think it was Tu B'Shvat because <laughs> I um I think I I took the bus down to the the JCC um, and Amanda. I remember I, th I think it was Tu B'Shvat because you had this beautiful table with tea and we're yeah. like offering a, a wonderful taste of, of the, you know, to capture that time. But I had a chance to hold it in my hands and I did, of course, um, help support it on, on Kickstarter too. And um, tell me, I can tell you how I, how I felt when I held it, but um, tell me a little bit about, yeah, just walk us through it. Sure. Yeah. Um, so we really wanted the planner to be, like you said, accessible to many audiences, whether you're a Jewish educator working at a Hillel or you're in an intro to Judaism class. You know, we've had people buy them for their conversion students, like brand new to understanding Jewish time and Jewish life cycles. Um, so one of the things that was important to both of us first was this 
the feeling that it was a, a special object, you know, something that you'll actually take with you everywhere and want to hold and touch and um, look beautiful because it's something to carry your life in, you know, everything that you're planning and everything that you do can be written in here. There's journals, you know, like a really special, beautiful journal. You're going to want to write different things in it than a scrap piece of paper. Um, so I think when you see the planner, um, that really does come across to, to folks that we've talked to, you know, having like the debossed cover that, that really feels lovely and the design that Mo did for the cover with the sun and the moon and the earth um, just really gives it um, and the gold ink on it. All those are really important to us. They weren't just random decisions about how you feel when you hold the planner and how you approach it. Um, so in the planner, we kind of start with um, an explanation, a, a short explanation of Jewish time. How is it what is what is the Hebrew calendar? How does it relate to this Gregorian calendar, which is where we mostly operate and live? What are Jewish cycles? Um, it talks about the order of the Hebrew months, which begin uh, at the new moon. And so we follow a lunar calendar, but it is corrected based on the solar calendar so that we stay in line with the seasons, which is why it's a loony solar calendar. Um and it talks a little bit about um, how to use the planner, you know, because it's it's a very different layout than probably any planner you've used before. We made the decision for it to open horizontally because, um, you know, Hebrew books open one way and uh, English books open another way. And so we wanted it to be both and. Um, so it opens from the bottom. Um, and we open with an explanation of Shemitah, which is something that I learned about in the Jaffe Fellowship and has really been helping us think in long terms about this project and about our work and also about my life. Um, the Shemitah cycle is the seven-year cycle, agricultural cycle historically of ancient Israel. And so there's, um, you know, on the cover of the planner, it actually says what year you are in the Shemitah cycle. So you can really ground yourself in that. We're in the fifth year of the Shemitah right now. The seventh year is the year of rest. It's also commonly a time when people take a sabbatical after seven years at a job or, um, you know, also just a, a time frame to think about long-term projects or um, about relationships in your life. So there's a Shemitah planner at the beginning that has the next three years for the first planner. And then, you know, where do you want to be in three years from now in 5782, which is now one year from now. Um, and then also thinking about the cycle of the next seven. So the planner grounds you in this like larger period of time, and then it gets smaller and smaller. So it goes from like macro to micro. Um, and then each month begins with a teaching, which is beautifully illustrated by Mo and with teachings written by me. Um, we went with this like monochrome vibe for the planner, which I hope invites, we both hope invites um, personalization. Like I've been coloring in each of the month pages and adding my own doodles and whatever that's inspired by the teachings. Um, and then there's a series of journal prompts related to that teaching. So 
to really ground you in what are the themes of this month, what might I be feeling in this month, um, and how is it affecting my day-to-day life before you go into the plans. Then there's a, a month breakdown. Um, so you have the whole month on a two-page spread that shows the lunar phases on one side, and it lists um, the Hebrew dates on one side, and then there's more space for the Gregorian dates on the other side because that's commonly where we live most of our time is in the Gregorian calendar along with um, the people around us. But then we... Um, we designed this unique shaded offset grid that shows you the alignment of the two days. This was really important to both of us that all the calendars we had searched online and um, anywhere else just listed the Hebrew and Gregorian dates on the same physical square. And that's just not how the days align. There's Hebrew dates start at sundown and the Gregorian day starts at midnight. So there's this offset between the days, which is what makes it, I think, confusing to live in both calendars. And most calendars will note somewhere, if they're listing them both on the same square, like the date starts sundown the day before, you know, just so you know. But then you're looking and you're wondering, well, is this the first day of Rosh Hashanah or is it actually the night before? Or does it start this night? And because sometimes it says era, you know, it's, it's confusing. So, um, on our planner, you'll see this shaded portion that represents sundown. And you can see if I'm looking across the line that the first of Elul this past year was, um, you know, in the daytime, it was the first of September. And then the second of Elul, the first of September at night is the second of Elul. So it's really easy once you've looked at it a couple times to see that that's what it's showing you. Um, and that offset continues into the week view, which is a wheel. Um, we thought a lot about how to represent how time is circular and, um, goes in cycles and that it's not linear. And so on the week pages, we have this big, beautiful wheel that has seven days on it, ending and beginning with Shabbat, um, which kind of grounds the week time cycle in in the Hebrew calendar. And the inner circle is the Gregorian dates, where there's a lot of space, the bigger circle, a lot of space for writing and doodling and journaling. We've heard from our users all kinds of things that they use the wheel for. And the outer circle, which is kind of just a thin rim, is showing you the the context that is holding the, the calendar, which is the Hebrew dates. And so they are offset again with this shaded portion showing you at sundown is when the next day begins. Um, around the wheel, we have space for notes. There's uh, a small excerpt from the Torah portion for the week, which is also informing and can ground your week. And then there's also an image related either to where we are in the calendar season, the Torah portion for the week, or um, something else inspired by perhaps the holidays happening that week. We decided not to include any American holidays or other holidays in the planner other than the Hebrew um, calendar holidays in order to make it accessible to anyone anywhere in the world. 
So um, you will not see Thanksgiving in this planner, but it is one of the things that we recommend when people first get it is to go through and put in those things that make your calendar, um, you know, what marks time in your calendar. Is it your birthday? Is it your anniversary? Your um, Maybe it's Thanksgiving. Maybe it's a holiday that your family made up. So to go through and put all those things in is what starts to make it really your own. Um, and in the back of the planner, we have Understanding the Seasons, which is um, a beautiful little guide to the plants and the indicators of each season and how um, you might be relating to that season, whether energy is rising or falling. Um, we didn't put that into the planner again because we have people who are using it in the Southern Hemisphere and all over the world, so those really change, but it's a guide for how to be in touch with those seasons as you go through the planner. Wow. I'm going to pause there because it's a lot. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's, it, well, it's so rich. There's so much, and which speaks to um, – you know, it speaks to the complexity of time and how you've created something that you can hold in your hand to essentially hold all of that, um, to hold that complexity. And I, when I held it in my hand to, to your descriptions, really, like, but some of the things that stuck out for me was definitely the cir the circle, the circular mm -hmm. representation of time. It felt like I felt more at ease in my body wow. looking at that than looking at, you know, you know, like looking at the, you know, periodic chart of elements slash calendars that we have, <laughs> you know, that yeah. like, yeah. it feels like, I, you know, um, uh, it feels like that, you know, like somehow walls off time in a way, or it's just like the, the to-do list, but like in squares. Um, so that circle for me felt powerful. The, the, what you were talking about, like the, the colors and the, the um the gold um it um it reminded me of holding something sacred and but like something that was per like personally sacred it actually reminded me of like the diary i had when i was little that had like a little clip and a little lock yeah, um, yeah totally you know, like it pulls at your heartstrings, like it pulled at my seven-year-old heartstrings. And, um, but at the same time, you know, that's sometimes like the, the sacred art in synagogues resonates with me. Sometimes it doesn't, but like there was a, there was, there was like enough of a hint of that, that you could, you know, it was, you know, maybe there was like a nod to, to that artful component as well. But yeah, it, it felt more like that diary. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah I mean, those is, were, yeah, go ahead. I, I know you were talking about the lock and the clip. There is also, that I forgot to mention, um, two silk ribbons. One, I you can use however you want, but it was important to have two, maybe if you're marking the teaching page and the week that you're on, or you want to have one on the Understanding the Seasons page, just so um, there's multiple ways to keep track of where you are in the calendar. And then there's also an elastic band, um, which was, it turned out to be, we had the, all these visions for it. And then working with printers and, and all of that for the first time, of course, was a new experience for 
me at least, um, but that having that band was actually something that was limiting a lot in which printers we could use. But we stuck to our guns. And <laughs> we to got that band, band <laughs> to keep it closed, <laughs> which I think is important if you're going to throw it in your bag and carry it with you everywhere that it isn't the pages aren't getting crushed or smushed. You know, you've definitely had that planner before that you put in page first and then everything just kind of crushed it closed so and it has that protecting yeah it has that feeling too of like opening it like I when I take down the band and open my planner it just like feels really special and that's important and yeah like what you were saying Jody about like that balance of like it's beautiful and it's special but then sometimes these sacred spaces that are super ornate and decorated there's no space for you And that was, it's like, you're in awe of this magical sacred thing, but you are this, you're, you're dwarfed by it, you know? Um, and we wanted something that made you feel big and made you feel important. And so how could this planner be sacred and invite you to see that you're sacred and that your time and your life and your plans are special. And we didn't want this planner to be intimidating or like too precious to touch. It has to be usable. The illustrations need to invite you to embellish them. I love that. And, and really like, as you were, as, as, um, as you're also describing, um, Amanda, like this right in like you can write in, you are the, an author and an artist of your own life. So you guys made the space for that, um, mm-hmm. that, um, and you know, you can write in the little family rituals or the, um, you yeah. know, um, you know, and, and that was so great. And then also the idea of like, I opening up a page and being like, oh my God, I felt like a sense of relief, like there's the tour portion. There's like some reflective piece that I can, you know, sit with for the week. And like, I can't tell you guys how many times I'm like, okay, I got to go on safari and find out what tour portion yes. it is. And like somehow that stresses me out. Yeah. Um, so it was all there. Um, yeah. And, and I think like also with, with, you know, it's like time and our texts move together mm-hmm. and um, – so like syncing up, it, 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 you guys are, you made the roadmap so that we can just sort of walk in that path and then, you know, take it in and connect to it how we, how we individually would. Um, but sometimes, but that path that with the layers of the seasons and the, and text and moons, um, having those as the driver of time is such a different way to like such a rich, deep way to move forward and walk in our lives. I think my, some of my friends who are Jewish educators, like, especially if they're out leading international trips or they are out in a farm, um, you can't always just pull up Safari. And so (laughs) if you have the planner too, and you're, Mm -hmm. I, I don't know if, you know, if you've ever worked at a Jewish camp, a lot of times as the educator, it's like, okay, we'll just riff for 20 minutes, you know, like we need to fill time. And to have just like, oh, it's the new moon. It's a new month. It's um, this Torah portion. Like you have so many tools right here to just say, yes, there are so many things in every single day of the year that I can relate to and that I can bring into grounding us in this space and in time in Mm -hmm. this moment that is going to add richly to 
my participants' lives and that every year from here on out, if I'm talking about the Omer, um, which we also have the dates of the Omer in the calendar, but sitting right now in the Omer, I know that I'm thinking back to last year because I counted the Omer last year and you know, where was I at the beginning of the Omer? Where was I at the end last year? It just really starts to anchor you at this point in the season and in um, in relationship to the calendar, you know, just after Passover, this time that we're in, or just before Rosh Hashanah, that time that you're in of the month of Elul. It just really helps ground me, at least, in um, the experiences and also to never be caught off guard. Like, it... it when you really um, can fall into tune with the seasons of the Hebrew calendar, it's less jarring that it changes based on the Gregorian calendar because there's so much preparation for every holiday. It's ne- You're never caught off guard by Rosh Hashanah um, because there's days and days of talking about it and getting ready for it and thinking about it, and then you really feel 100% prepared when it comes. Which I think is also, Mm -hmm. I think that's also like part of shifting into a different relationship of time. Like if you think about this kind of industrial, not even the Gregorian calendar, but just like industrial time where like the factory bell rings, the school bell rings, like, oh, it's time for this now. And your nervous system doesn't get time to adjust. It's not an organic shift. You don't wake up when you want to. And these holidays and traditions that we have in Judaism are organic processes and or the culmination of organic processes. And so if we're actually aware that they're happening and we can take ownership of them and do them on purpose, it's not that Rosh Hashanah is happening to us. It's that oh, yes, the seasons are changing and this energy is changing and this is a marker of this real moment that I'm actually experiencing in my life and this is relevant to me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, I love how you said that, that, to- that uh, yeah, that that Jewish ritual, that, it, right, it, there's like an organic process and it, Honestly, my favorite times of year are the in-between times. Um, you know, as as I've gotten older and um, the holidays are a little bit more and, – and, and it, you know, it can be any age. But like having kids, like there's just a little bit more um, coordination involved and in actually like holding space for a holiday. Um, and so my favorite times are the in-between times like now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so – like what you said, Mo, just like this, this, or that the, the tea up time, like the organic t- part of it, the lead up time is, is just as, as important, um, yeah, as the actual marked time. Um, I'm curious, and I'm, I'm curious, like if there's any, what particular rituals that mark time, um, because there's so much that the planner brings out. Um, Mo, is there something for you that, um, that particularly resonates with you in expressing marking Jewish time like externally or connecting to it? Yeah, I've been thinking, well, so since creating the planner, I have started observing Shabbat and it is just like, it's been a real like practice what you preach kind of thing at first. And then it's become this like super meaningful practice for me where I turn off all technology and I'm really mindful about 
um, how I'm using my energy. And it's not like a rule of like, I can or cannot do these activities. It's more like how I approach what I am doing to be gentle and receptive and restorative and be nourishing myself. Um, and that's been really, um, I don't know, it's really changed my life. And then related similarly, that has, um, made me aware of those other cycles that are happening um, throughout the day. Whenever sundown happens, I'm noticing that. And when the new moon happens and the shift into another month happens, it, there's this similar feeling and it's this kind of liminal space, that space between being sacred and really um, being silent and being still to honor that shift and that in between time. Mm. I love, there's a lot of things. Like one thing I love to hearing you say is just this idea of what, what nourishes you and like where we might have these maybe like more like hard edged, um, goals, like smart goals or yeah. fitness goals or whatever it is, <laughs> you know, but like this idea of like what nourishes me, like that's just, it's a whole different frame of, right. of like, of out, it's like outside of achievement in a sense. Exactly. Um, yeah. It's, it's like, generative. oh, can I, am I allowed to cook? Am I allowed to exercise? Well, I'm not allowed to be mean to myself <laughs> or put any pressure on myself or have the word should around. So do I want to cook? Is that feeling really <laughs> fun and gentle and kind? Then yes, I can cook. <laughs> yes. That's so great. And, and also like in your Shabbat, journey too. It it also, when you were talking about like just noticing the, you know, time tracking is like the sun going down and um, that you're, you, you become an observer of time. And like you were saying that liminal, sp liminal space, it just, it actively places you mm -hmm. in that liminal space, which, um, you know, I think generally as a society outside of this global pandemic, you know, um, uh, uh, uncertainty and murkiness is uncomfortable, um, anyways, but like, but by being, by observing the sun going down, you're, you know, you, it's like observing the quiet nuanced things and, 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 yeah. and, and, and like li living in it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the planner is, it's, it's been, it was out in the world, right? Like, um, through a Kickstarter campaign and yes. did it just go through a second round of Kickstarter? Like the one that I yeah. was able to yes. connect to? Was that, second was that year. The, okay. Mm -hmm. And, you know, aside from like this becoming like Oprah's my favorite thing. <laughs> like, I think Oprah needs to use the Jewish planner, but um, that's just my humble opinion. Um, I think she would, you know, she would bring a good voice to it. But, um, but where, where do you guys, where, what is your hope um, for the planner itself? And then just, you know, what is the, what is the planner brought in your lives that, you know, to, that is hopeful. Yeah. Mo, do you want to talk a little about like where, where it started and where we're going? Sure. Yeah. 
So, you know, it started with a very small hope, which was let's finish this thing. Let's have this idea and take it all the way through to completion and maybe people will want it. And that was true. People did want it and people gave us feedback and we enjoyed the process and enjoyed working together. Um, and through the process of working together, realized that we have a lot of other ideas that meet other needs that our community has expressed. Um, and it's, we're excited to do those too. So it's kind of organically turned into this partnership and this business and this um, community in a sense, but really it's not that we are a community, it's that there's already this community that we are a part of and that we are offering um, our gifts to. Um, so overall, we're really just kind of like issue focused. Like I don't really have any Oprah dreams. <laughs> if that happens, that's cool. But like for me, the biggest like pain point in the world is like that I'm an artist and I have this work and these ideas and there's no place for it in the world or there's no outlet for it. So it's really for me about making things that are useful to people and creating the container and um, these objects to hold these gifts that we have. Um, being able to express ourselves and serve people's needs at the same time. So we have a lot more kits and interactive activities and um, tools for educators, especially we want to make educators lives easier so that they don't have to be Googling things and looking up and lesson planning that they can really just open a kit or this, you know, teaching tool object that we've created for them and have this special experience in a box for them. Um, we're working on a tea subscription service right now that is the same kind of thing. It's like um, you just get mailed to your house on the new moon, the organic loose leaf tea and a teaching and a guide for facilitating a group in person or virtually so that you can be facilitating the group but be the receiver of that space at the same time that you don't have to be an expert. Um, so overall, like our wish is to have this viable business with multiple products that are serving, um, people who are at different levels of being tapped into Jewish knowledge and connection to Jewish community. I love it. And I mean, what it really feels like, yeah, like maybe it feels like it's just going to ripple out to your to, to, to those that it resonates with, which is like me. <laughs> um, and, you know, I'm, and I got to meet you guys, like I being, I'm a, you know, a food ritualist and like with kind of similar to the tea experience, I love for people to experience like deep, deep experiences, uh, in moments of life transition, marking cycles through the experience with food. Um, and so like you're both the Jewish planner and the tea experience. It, like you said, it's like there's like these ancillary arms that it can just it can just spread and ripple out. And guys, don't forget about me in terms of like some sort of spice yes, combination, really spiritual spices. spices. Yes, <laughs> I don't know. we should talk about that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. You know, I, I think, do, but like, Mm -hmm. uh, no, I think like any way that 
we can, I think the planner isn't the connection point for everyone to tap into this amazing ancient wisdom that we have grounded in our calendar. And so that's, that's where the tea experience came from. You know, we had this, we had an herbalist and we had this idea that by tasting the, tasting the season, tasting the elements of the calendar, that other people are going to connect in a way that folks who don't connect through journaling, or maybe they do and they want to add to that. Um, But we Mm want to, there's so many ways to connect with and engage with the seasons and being in tune with time and the holidays. Um, And I think, yeah, we've talked a lot about other spices, cooking, um, you know, food is such a a huge connection point for Jewish ritual and Jewish memory that... um, And and it's cyclical too Mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. I love it. And it just, all of this really sort of cap, like, you know, like this, the circle sort of continues to go, but really circles back to both of your, both of your passions of experience, of expression, of like communal, of the power of community and our common experience as humans. And again, you just, you've, you've created this, this, um, Oh, my words left me, but like this, this um, vessel, if you, you know, Mm -hmm. to just sort of hold that complexity. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, even like with all the virtual stuff going on, we've, we've had the good fortune of like, you know, sitting, of sitting in and leading um, just Shabbat candlelighting with our community. And one of those moments, it just struck me of how just that is like a page on your calendar. It's just like that universal baseline of humanity, yeah. <laughs> like happening everywhere. And it's mm. it's like your planner's a glimpse into that. And then you write in your piece. Mm. You write in your life on to, onto that. Yeah, that's beautiful. I love I love what you're saying about vessel because that is what it feels like. Each of the things that we're making feels like this small capsule that can just be this one little focal point of containing infinity, you know, and like it can, we're just trying to create this concise, small, sacred object that has space for whatever you want it to contain for you. Mm. Yeah, it's been so special to see how, like, how people are using it. I think unlike Mm -hmm. producing a a book or, or something else, like everyone is taking this object that we created that's a vessel and making it their own and making it special to themselves and just seeing on, you know, on social media as people are using it as a journal or using it as a art piece or using it to reflect on their day. It's, it's really incredible to see what our work has inspired in the world. And, um, and we've, and we've also gotten some great feedback. So I'm just excited to the, for this, like, to continue and to spiral out and to see where it goes. Yeah, I don't think we have like a specific vision for, uh, I think Oprah should use it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think she will. And now for some sweet notes. Sweet note one. There is so much thoughtful design that went into the Jewish planner. I love how we talked about the planner as a vessel where we are given the framework of Jewish time with all its layered meanings and teachings, while also being given the space to connect to Jewish time on our own. 
connecting our daily lives with the planner seems to me to become something sacred. Even if the task is mundane that we're writing into our planner, the planner plants us in the sacredness of time. And we're given this opportunity to zoom out when, even when listing our most basic daily tasks. Sweet note two. The Jewish planner is as much about the long view of our lives as it is about the month to month and day to day. Shemitah, the seven year agricultural cycle is the first invitation into the planner. I love how this longer vision in our lives based on this agricultural rhythm is the lens through which we can look into our own lives. For me, my next seven year cycle actually takes me into the time near when I turn 50. And I think this would honestly scare me a bit, but thinking about that personal milestone in the context of Shemitah feels really like a generative way of walking through our lives. Sweet note three, the Jewish planner allows us to experience how time is so very layered. In the planner, we look at our week as a wheel or as a circle. And within that wheel, we visually can see how one day in a traditional calendar actually spans two days within the Jewish calendar. This concept was always dizzying to me, as it may be for some of you. You know, when does the holiday actually begin? Is it at night? Is you know what I'm seeing in the calendar listed at night? But when Mo described looking at a sunset before Shabbat as a marker of time, as the planner has sort of brought Shabbat more in fo into focus in her own life, it became more clear to me why I love watching a sunset or why I love noticing the dimming of the day. Watching the light wane is like an immersion into the rhythm of Jewish time. What? <laughs> Perhaps this was one of those very obvious aha moments, but it really took this conversation with Amanda and Mo and kind of walking through the planner where this knowing that I feel was in me, it really felt like it deepened and like set a little more. Sweet note four, the planner feels special as a personal sacred object. While there are many Jewish sacred objects out there, I love this notion that the planner is a self-created ritual object where our life is sacred. And by writing or doodling, we decorate our own lives and we can hold the sacredness in our hands. Sweet note five, the planner as a tool for immersive Jewish education. Love. I love how with the planner and the tea subscription, we can all be educators, facilitators. We can all share wisdom with groups in our communities or in our households. We can share that wisdom that sort of bubbles up from Jewish time. To me, this is so very much a refreshing look into new directions within Jewish education in the future. And so if you are so curious now to order the planner, please feel free to go on Gold Herring's website. And you can also learn a little bit more about Amanda and Mo there. 
So you can go on to goldherring.com, G-O-L-D-H-E-R-R-I-N-G.com. I really want to thank Mo and Amanda for this meaningful conversation. You both are truly inspiring women. I would also like to thank Ethan Bayless, composer, sound engineer, and co-producer. And thank you, Ethan, for rocking the homeschooling. Until next time, I'm Jody Bayless, and this is Purple Honey. Thank you.